Welcome, everybody, to May and a very special cicada-themed episode of the DC Beer Show. I am Jake. With me, as always, our brandied Mike. Hey, Brandy, what you drinking? What am I not drinking right now? Hey, Mike and Jake, I love you guys. I, tonight, am sharing a couple of beers with my dear, dear friend, Richard, the OG DC Beer Daddy. This is a Crooked Crab Uno Moss, and I will tell you, I should have gotten more of this um, it's a cerveza. It says cerveza with lime. It is a beautiful Mexican lager with a little bit of lime. It is perfection. It's crisp, clear. It's so pretty. Then my favorite beer that's come out recently that I've been crushing is Hellbender's No Funny Stuff. And it's just American Pale Ale. It clocks in at 5.5. Mosaic hops, which are my favorite. And uh, it's just such a beautiful, clean drinking beer. Had a date bring over the Allagash Kur, Kurkuma, Kurkuma. It's um as turmeric in it. It's pretty darn good. And then we had one more. Oh, and another Lone Oak beer, Mosaic Cops. It's a 24 session. So, you know, sharing beer between two people. You can have a couple. What are you drinking, Mike Stein? Well, thanks, Brandy. I am drinking Beneath the Elm by Right Proper Brewing Company. Mm. So shout out to Thor. Shout out to Leah, our good friend Amani, who was on a few episodes ago, a.k.a. the Vibe Queen. But Beneath the Elm is a mixed culture ale, a Saison blend fermented in one of our 45 hectoliter French oak fooders, aged for an additional 12 months on fresh berries in bourbon and rye whiskey barrels. Expect a soft acidity. Funky fruit flavors with notes of wood, whiskey, and nice dry finish. So I was saying, here I am on a Tuesday night. What am I going to – why would I break out such a special beer? Well, we've had a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. We had a dog die, which, you know, anybody who owns a dog, that's like a family member. I had a family member get a cancer diagnosis, all kinds of crazy shit. So I'm toasting life in all of its multi-purpose, multi-faceted dimensions and having this wonderful beer from Right Proper. So thank you, Thor and Leah and Amani and Barrett and Justin and everybody for keeping the lights on, keeping the funky farmhouses flowing at Right Proper. Jake, what are you sipping on, my friend? I'm going from toasting oak and toasting life to um, smoking malt. I have here, taking advantage of everyone shipping stuff into D.C., the Suarez Family Breweries stands to reason. A Rauch beer, a smoked lager from the lovely Hudson Valley of New York. When I lived in New York City, I would say it was upstate. People who live up there do not say it's upstate. Anyway, it's a smoked beer. It's great. Jerry from Sherry Pint knows what's up. As soon as I mentioned the smoked beer, he's going to add us across social media, which reminds me to remind you that we are at DC Beer, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Before we jump into an interview, DC Beer Week has a date. September 19th, September 26th, everything should be open, full capacity. There could be debauchery. There could be scenes. <laughs> there could be church key open with like 55 DC beers on tap. Hell yeah. Including maybe beer from City State opening hey. later this month. Interesting, interesting. If I'm there, which you know I will be at DC Beer Week, there will be a scene because I always cause a scene. <laughs> just vibes. No scene. Just vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Mike Stein, talking about right proper, I will say, like, I I had been there in a little bit because the Brookland one is only open. They're not open during the week during COVID. 
And um, when I went recently, a couple Fridays ago, it just made me feel so good and warm. And I remember when they had the battle of the bar- barrel aged, and they crush barrel aged beer. So that when you said that that one that you're drinking is barrel aged, I'm like, oh, right, proper kills the barrel aged beers. Oh, they're so good. Mm. Yeah, it's really out there. It's funny. They mentioned the berries in the description, but on the front of the bottle, they say fooder aged farmhouse ale with hibiscus and black currants, currants, yeah, you know, right proper has been ahead of its time for a long time with barrels. And I feel the same way with a lot of the DC beer week events, specifically what Jake was mentioning, the 55 drafts that church keep put on, you know, I remember way back in the day, people used to poo poo the DC, the local breweries and be like, Oh, you know, the imported stuff is so much better. And it's true that the imported stuff may be different, right? Jake's drinking a Suarez, a wonderful lager, smoked lager. It's so good. He brought it to Beer Share. It was good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brandy can attest, you know, it's it's really wonderful. And just because a DC brewery doesn't have a smoked lager on right now, doesn't mean they can't make one that's as good as some of the finest stuff around. Make one. Make one, DC breweries. <laughs> Cowards! No, I like I, I invite DC breweries that you all should fuck around and then find out. I went to Sapwood this past weekend, um, Saturday, and they had a smoked beer on. It was lightly smoked. It was still really, really, really good, though. Yeah. So so people are doing them. (laughs) This is a conversation that Stein and I have. We're like, American breweries, they sometimes kind of like tiptoe around. They're like, oh, it's lightly smoked. No, no, no. Like, we don't do that. Like, (laughs) 70% smoked malt grain bill or GTFO. Like, I want... Ham hocks and bacon and, you know, all sorts of meaty goodness. So I want to talk about the cicada theme and Silver Branch in particular, because Silver Branch released the Brood X, which is absolutely breathtaking beer that I got a little sneaky peek of thanks to a date. But LT Goodluck over at at Hellbender sent me a text saying that they were about to name their beer release for that weekend, Brood X, but it was already taken by like 20 minutes before, which is hilarious. But they named their beautiful American style Deafening Chorus, and it is phenomenal. So like, I think everyone's kind of going on this train of trying to name as many beers as they can, like come out with beers and name them after the cicada uh, X go thing going on this weekend, which is really funny. And speaking of Silver Branch, one more thing. Silver Branch has a Kolsch Fest coming up this weekend. Who's going to be there? I know I am. I think Richard is. Jake, you going to be there? Maybe, maybe so. Maybe so. Hey. <laughs> so cicadas have been documented in this area since the 18th century. And speaking of history, did you like that transition? That is, oh, that is that is that is how the segue. podcast hosts bring their A game segue the transition. I suck at transitioning. <laughs> I'm just going to let that slide. Mike, would you please do us the honor of setting the stage for your interview? My pleasure. So you're about to hear from Frank Clark, master of historic foodways at Colonial Williamsburg Foundation. So Frank has been studying beer history for years. Side note, we didn't talk at all about chocolate, but Frank's been studying chocolate for years as well. The point is, beer history is now serious stuff. When Frank started, 
it was just kind of, oh, you want to learn about beer? Sure. Then you're going to drink the beer? Oh, okay, quote unquote history. You know, that was the kind of ribbing that Frank would get when he started out. But he started this conference called Ale Through the Ages, which had your favorite beer historian's favorite beer historian <laughs> come to Williamsburg. He had Andrea Stanley from Valley Malks, who this year is going to talk about historic brown malt, porter malt, the malt that she used in some of the historical brewing projects. Hadley, son. That's familiar. That's right. And she is an amazing dynamo in her own right, growing local grains for local bread to make flour. You know, she's really revitalizing American food systems. And then we're getting history from Frank and Lee Graves and Tara Nuren comes up in our interview. And these are all people who are studying Tara, specifically women, the, the role of women in brewing and malting throughout time. And then Lee and Frank focus on Virginia around this time in the, you know, uh, 17th, 18th centuries. So here we go. Listen in. Hello, everybody. Thank you, DC Beer fans, for tuning in. This is Michael Stein, and I am very pleased today to welcome Frank Clark to the show. Frank Clark is Master of Historic Foodways at Colonial Williamsburg Foundation. He is a food historian who studies the foods of the 18th century and has spent 25 years doing this and another 23 years researching 18th century beer brewing. Frank is a fellow beer historian and a member of the Chicago Brewseum team, which I am very eager to, to welcome him to the show. So Frank, thank you so much for, for being here with us. Mike, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, I've enjoyed our meetings over the years, and, and I uh, remember you enjoying our first Ales Through the Ages conference. I'm sorry it's taken so long to get around to the second one, but very happy that it's, it's finally going to happen this November. Well, good things take time, as they say. Good things are worth waiting for. So we have Ale Through the Ages Part 2 coming up. And if you don't know, Ale Through the Ages is a conference at Colonial Williamsburg. Uh, it takes place from November 12th to the 14th, 2021. And I understand this year you have both in-person and virtual options for the beer history lover that may be unable to travel to Virginia in November. Is that right? That is completely right. And in fact, we've teamed up with the Chicago Museum and their Beer Culture and History Summit to provide sort of a, a whole week of beer history available online. Wow. So they're going to start things off the first part of the week, and then we're going to finish things off at the end. And all that's going to be available online for viewers who can't make it to either Chicago or Williamsburg. That is great. So looking at the lineup, you have quite an impressive a listing of, of visitors gathered, some that beer history fans will remember from the first one, like Travis Rupp, Stan Hieronymus, Martin Cornell, Ron Pattinson, yourself, as well as Andrea Stanley of the famed Valley Malt. But I also understand you have some new folks who will be joining you for this conference. Who's new and, and what exciting things can we expect, those of us who plan to, to tune in either virtually or, or visit Williamsburg in person? Well, we've got a wonderful keynote speaker in Pete Brown, a very uh, distinguished English beer writer who's put out a number of books uh, about beer history over the years. And so we're very excited to, to welcome him uh, here. It was also great to be able to bring in Kyle Spears and Dan Lorio from Carolyn Brewing Company out in Ohio. They operate, as far as I know, the only 1849 brewery in America. And it's it's a really an amazing setup that they have out there. And, and so they're going to be talking a little bit about 
operating an historic brewery in a modern beer world. And then uh, we've got Lee Graves uh, from Richmond, a, a beer writer up there, and uh, Tara Noren from Forbes magazine to uh, work with me on a presentation that we're building at the moment on uh, Virginia brewing in the 18th century and some of the enslaved people and women who were involved in brewing here in the colony at the time. Yeah, it sounds like really cutting edge stuff that we can expect. I missed Dan and Kyle and Tara at the first Ale Through the Ages, but it seems like I'll be able to see them this time, which is great. And knowing the scope of Tara's work in her new book that's coming out, it's super exciting to hear about her as well as uh, Dan and Kyle, to your point, probably the only truly, really dedicated with an eye towards historical accuracy uh, breweries, Carillon in Ohio. But I wanted to ask you a little bit, one of our DC Beer co-contributors, one of our writers had asked about what was common in the 18th century to use in beer to preserve and flavor beer outside of hops? I know this is <laughs> a big question, but tell us a little bit about your 18th century brewing beer history and what you've kind of learned. Because I know when I went to Williamsburg, I got to try some beers I had never heard of. I think they were with Aleworks, with Williamsburg Aleworks, and you've really spent a lot of time in 18th century beer. Tell us a little bit about your work in, in the 18th century beer realm. Well, I basically started with the brewing manuals of the period because they're the best resource I could find. And there were a number of them published up and through the 18th century and into the early 19th century. And these are just fabulous resources. So you read through the manuals and you see what the recipes call for and, and the processes that they're using. Um, Sometimes you grimace, <laughs> sometimes you wince. You know, some of the processes are, are clearly, science has proved them to be a, a bad idea in the last 200 years. But that's part of the charm of this is to, to see the progress that brewers have made, especially in terms of the science of all this. They basically had the process down, but the science has, has improved immensely in the last 200 years. But in terms of other ingredients in addition to there are a fair amount of them. And in fact, we're quite lucky to have Butch Harlson on our speaker panel as well. He's going to talk specifically about Groot ales and, and non-hopped beers. So he's he's probably going to cover a lot of that answer in, in his talk. But some of the common things we see showing up in local recipes to flavor beer in addition or sometimes in replacement of hops is ale hoof or what is commonly referred to as Virginia Creeper, which is commonly used in, in bittering beers at this time. Bog myrtle, sage, rosemary, herbs that you will see uh, fairly commonly used in the period in, in flavoring beer. And the English like tad spices as well. Probably one of the beers you tried, Mike, was the uh, dear old mum, which is based on uh, a German beer called mum coming from Brunswick in northern Germany. It is is a wheat, oat, and spice beer. In particular, this one has coriander, cardamom, uh, grains of paradise, and long pepper in it. And it's a wonderful uh, combination of spices that were often used. You see cayenne pepper frequently mentioned as an additive in 18th century brewing recipes. So coriander is another very common additive in 18th century brewing recipes as well. So those things sometimes are used in substitute for, for hops if hops are not available. But there seems to be a pretty pretty wide availability of hops in 18th century Virginia. 
That's a great answer. Which brings me to my next question. I, I understand that you've got, well, you've got a number of projects, but specifically in regards to brewing projects, at Ale Through the Ages, you're looking to debut or show the world this project you're calling Pale Through the Ages. Tell me about Pale Through the Ages. So, yeah, we thought as, as a way of, of sort of marking the uh, the conference that it'd be nice to brew a beer uh, in honor of it. And we, we talked about doing some beers that sort of evolve over time and, and came up with the concept of making a pale ale throughout the ages, so to speak. So I'm going to partner with the folks at Aleworks who we work with on a regular basis to uh, recreate or, or to sort of adapt a recipe from the first cookbook written and published in Virginia, the Virginia Housewife written by Mary Randolph, and we're going to make an adaptation of her recipe for small beer or molasses beer. And then the folks out in Ohio and New Carolina are going to be doing a recipe from a housewife they have out there from the 1840s, which I I believe has uh, coriander and cayenne pepper in it as well. In Chicago, we've been really lucky to uh, talk Goose Island into making a batch for this project as well. And and we'll see what they come up with in terms of another version of pale ale a little bit later in time. So it's it's going to be a fun project to have everybody sort of collaborate on. I'm even hopefully going to be able to bring in my friends out in Jamestown, Yorktown Foundation and go back another hundred years to uh, the very first brewing that occurred here in Virginia in the 1620s. That sounds incredibly cool. I am really looking forward to the pails that the pails that you're charting through the ages at ale through the ages. Well, I, I want to know a little bit more about I'm very curious about the first brewing, the first beer brewed in Virginia. Certainly Mary Randolph's book is one I've heard you talk about before. And it's great to see you in your element in Colonial Williamsburg in period dress. You know, we <laughs> we the tourists get it easy in, in uh, sandals and shorts, but you are in full regalia in your shoes, in your your stockings and your garb. Tell us a little bit about uh, your friends at Jamestown and, and some of the other historical sites around Virginia and the work you've been doing with them. Well, mainly it's it's just been uh, talking about some of the the archaeology that they've done out there in terms of the first the sites of the first breweries here in America, and, and they seem to have isolated two sites there in, in Jamestown that were used for beer production very early on, and have done a fair amount of archaeology connected to that, and so we're hoping to bring that into uh, this as well, and and possibly into a, a full blown talk in in a future ales through the ages. Uh, we have plenty more beer historians out there that we would love to capture and uh, bring into this process. And and we're really hoping that we could do this conference every two years in the future because it's a field that's really just starting to take off. There's a lot going on in beer history at the moment. And Mike, as you know, with the Chicago uh, Bruseum, the, the board of, of scholars there that have been working on that is, is a, an incredible resource. And I think it's really wonderful thing about this conference as well is that it brings all these 
beer history people together for a chance to, to sit and chat and talk about what they're researching and, and talk about ways that we can promote beer history and start to, to really sort of build this field. I think for a lot of years, certainly when I first started researching beer history, at least at Colonial Williamsburg, it was always with sort of a, a wink and a nudge. You know, I said to my boss, I want to research 18th century beer and brewing. And and of course, they were like, yeah, right. And, and then you want to drink it, right? And so, you know, oftentimes I think alcohol scholarship may not have been taken with the same degree of seriousness in the uh, scholarly world as other pursuits. But there's a whole lot to learn about research from alcohol and, and the history of drinking and, and how our our forefathers uh, drank in the 18th century that I think is, is just absolutely fascinating and, and also perhaps a, a cautionary tale for us today as well. Yeah, that's that's really well said. It's clear that the uh, scholarly undertaking of, of beer research has come a long way, thanks in large part to your work, specifically with the first ale through the ages. I mean, I remember going to Williamsburg for the Ale Through the Ages conference and getting to meet you and Ron Pattinson and Andrea Stanley. And I think Ron and, and maybe Martin Cornell had brought some beers from the 1940s, the 1960s. And we actually got to try some of these old beers. And I I think I was the only one who brought a lager. We had just brewed Pyrex Lager, which was this pale lager in D.C. And it was a really great palate cleanser between beers that had been born closer to the Second World War and and then coronation beers, I think, beers from 1970. But, you know, and it was a great talking point because it was like, well, you know, corn lager in America is a great thing and it goes back to pre-prohibition. And I think you had told me that, you know, corn and beer actually goes back to Jefferson's time. And then we started talking about the Hemings. And it, it was a really eye-opening experience for me because I sort of got to meet all my heroes in the beer history world, you know, seeing Andrea and Christian Stanley there, talking to them about malt and how malt has changed. It's a really comprehensive conference. And then outside of the panels and the long talks all day, we, we got to spend some time in the tavern. We, we got to spend some time breaking bread and, and getting to know one another and how do we advance the, the field of beer history. So... I guess finally, I'm curious, what are you looking forward to most with Ales Through the Ages Part 2 now that we're, we're looking at it again in November? Well, I think that's a big part of it, frankly. Uh, and and all the, the speakers at the first conference uh, remarked to me how much they felt it was it was so personal. Everybody was, it was a small enough group that everybody could talk to each other and mingle with each other. And, and it was unique in that sense that when you go to something like the, the Craft Brewers Conference or the Association of Home Brewers Conference, these conferences have 14,000 people in some cases, and, and you just can't possibly meet and mingle and, and talk to groups of people like that. Whereas this is a much more limited scale and, and really a much more personal experience and and I think I think you're right in a sense that getting all of us together in one space has done a wonders for helping to build that community that is going to go forward in, in beer scholarship and there'll be some fun receptions as well uh, at, at this ALS through the ages coming up we're having a, a reception behind Shields Tavern and we're going to get a chance to sample some of the uh, menu of, of the King's Arms Tavern actually they've been working with us in a historic food ways on 
giving a modern taste to some 18th century food recipes. So that's going to be exciting for me to get folks a chance to to taste that collaboration that's going on, not just about beer, but also about food at Colonial Williamsburg. And then we're also going to have a wonderful reception at the Virginia Beer Company, where we hope to uh, try the uh, pails through the ages beers and be able to sort of relax and let our hair down after a a very long scholarly uh, weekend. But I'm thinking that there'll be plenty of chances for for a little humor and maybe a little music and, and fun along the way, hopefully. That, that sounds great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Frank, I have to thank you for your time, for sharing this interview with us at, at DC Beer. Any parting words you want to leave our listenership with? I, I highly recommend coming in person. Tales through the ages if you can, but if you're unable to do that, the online version will be exciting as well and, and a little bit more affordable for folks who are more budget conscious. So I'd really love to see as many folks from the D.C. area come down as possible. I think you'd have find it's wonderful and have a good time and, and enjoy yourself and, and learn a lot about the history of our favorite beverage. That's well said. I know we had a great virtual conference for the Chicago Museum's uh, Beer Culture Summit, but I, if you are like me, if you are fully vaccinated, you know, if you find yourself wanting to stimulate the Virginia economy, come on down to Colonial Williamsburg <laughs> and hear about uh, our favorite beverage. Well, thanks so much, Frank. I really appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. Take care. And we're back. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Frank. Ale through the ages. Fall 2021, again, in person, like DC Beer Week, like Snallygaster. Snally, DC Beer Week. <laughs> yes, in person, fun, fun stuff. There'd be a lot of slapping the stickers on Brandy's ass at all these events. So <laughs> yes. bring the stickers, I'll bring the ass. All right. <laughs> I don't really know where to go from that, um, except to say <laughs> that it's been a pleasure talking to all of you. I and, love you guys. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a crazy time. Yeah. Love y'all, DC Beer fam. Here we go. In-person events. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, please continue to tip big, be mindful and respectful as restaurants and bars and breweries ramp up and add staff, employers, um, pay fair wages. Please and thank you. Be kind. Drink beer. Be kind. Don't don't spread germs. (laughs) Continue to get vaxxed. Tell your cousins and your friends and your aunts and your uncles to get vaxxed sooner than we get to 80, at least 70%. The better off that we'll all be. And then at some point when it's like 85 and sunny out, I can do what I do best, which is sit in a dark bar and be miserable. (laughs) God, I miss that. Cheers to Mike Stein and like super raise a glass to Mike because he yeah he's had a rough day yeah Yeah. love you Mike I love you you guys are the best no you are the best we are DC Beer across social media as always add us tell us what you're drinking you got tips info you've had a particularly cool beer we want to hear about it because we like drinking cool beer too we'll see you around ta-ta for now adios amigos bye